Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. And you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guests uh, William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon, director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of several books. He also writes a column for uh, Newsmax called On Point. We'll speak to him, uh, Professor Larry Bell, as well. It is August the 4th, and on this day in 1873, while protecting a railroad survey party in Montana, Custer and his uh, 7th Cavalry clashed for the first time with the local Sioux Native Americans who defeated them three years later at uh, Little Bighorn. Remember that? During the previous two years, Lieutenant Colonel George Armstrong Custer and his 7th Cavalry had not fought a single battle during the tri- uh, against the tribes of the Western Plains. Hungry for action, Custer was pleased that the 7th Cavalry was ordered to help protect a party of surveyors laying out the route for the proposed Northern Pacific Railroad. The new Transcontinental Railroad, the third in the United States, was to pass through Sioux Country. Initially, the military uh, escort saw little action. The Sioux seemed to be avoiding or ignoring the survey party for Custer. Uh, the mission turned into somewhat of a lark. <clears throat> he spent much of his time shooting buffalo, antelope, elk, and other animals. <clears throat> Excuse me. To find good hunting, he often led the 7th Cavalry far away from the survey party and the main body of the military escort. On August the 4th, 1873, Custer was far ahead of the rest of the force, camping along the Tongue River in the southeastern Montana. Suddenly, a large band of Sioux warriors appeared on the horizon and attacked. The group was led by Crazy Horse and Sitting Bull. Custer, who had taken an afternoon nap, reacted quickly and mounted an effective defense. After a brief skirmish, the tribesmen withdrew. Since only one white soldier and one Native American were killed in the skirmish, uh, Custer's short battle along the Tongue River seemed relatively insignificant at the time. However, Custer's easy escape into his first encounter with Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse may have given him a dangerously scornful view of their fighting abilities. It helped to confirm his belief that the plain warriors tended to flee rather than to fight. <clears throat> As a result, when Custer again encountered Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse at the Little Bighorn three years later, his greatest fear was that he would withdraw before he could attack, and he rushed in without proper reconnaissance. That time, though, the Native Americans stood and fought, leaving Custer and more than 200 of his men dead. I think uh, the Sioux were taking the long view of the situation. Custer, of course, uh, more concerned about the short view and uh, his reputation as a leader. <clears throat> Led to pr- pretty disastrous results at Little Bighorn. Former President Donald Trump said it was a very sad day for America after pleading not guilty in Washington's federal court to charges that he conspired to overturn the 2020 election. He addressed the proceedings in a brief statement on a drizzly tarmac before he boarded his plane back to New Jersey, characterizing the case as a persecution designed to hurt his 2024 presidential campaign. This is a persecution of a political opponent. This was never supposed to happen in America, Trump said before boarding the plane for a return trip to New Jersey following his court appearance. He can't let, we can't let this happen in America, Trump said. Trump pleaded not guilty to four federal counts, including conspiracy to defraud the United States. He accused, uh, he accused of brazenly conspiring with uh, allies to force falsehoods and concoct schemes intended to overturn uh, his election loss to President Joe Biden. Now, Trump entered his plea in the same courthouse where more than 1,000 protesters, many of them his supporters, had been charged with federal crimes for their participation in January 6, 2021, attack on the U.S. Capitol that slightly delayed the certification of Joe Biden's victory. Trump was released on conditions including that he not have contact with the, uh, the case with any witnesses unless attorneys are present. 
Special Counsel Jack Smith sat in the front row of the courtroom gallery, about 15 feet from Trump's seat at the uh, defense table with his lawyers. The complications of Trump's not being allowed to discuss the case with potential witnesses was underscored by the entourage traveling with him. That included Boris Epstein, a longtime advisor who was allegedly part of the efforts to overturn the election results by organizing alternative uh, alternative electors. <clears throat> the next hearing uh, in Trump's 2020 election conspiracy case has been set for August the 28th, just days after the first debate in the 2024 presidential primary. The hearing set for later this month will be one of the uh, one in front of the U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin, who is, uh, will oversee the case brought by Special Counsel Smith. Trump appeared before a magistrate judge for his first court appearance Thursday, where he pleaded uh, not guilty. Uh, magistrate Judge Moxilla uh, said uh, Chutkin is willing to waive Trump's appearance at the, at the hearing so he doesn't have to attend. The judge is expected to set a trial date then, so the proceedings won't amount to much. The August 28th hearing will fall just five days after the first Republican debate and will be held in Milwaukee. Although Trump has repeatedly suggested he may not participate, saying he sees little benefit in appearing alongside low-profiling and polling rivals, he has not explicitly ruled out being at the debate. Sure, he'll make up his mind. <laughs> the big Fox News is begging him uh, to to show up and be good for their ratings because who would want to watch the others debate? Uh, not many people, frankly. Sadly, by the way, he went to uh, Bedminster afterwards and uh, went into a wedding party and uh, said hello to the groom and the bride and uh, helped them celebrate their marriage at Bedminster. <clears throat> Excuse me, Press, uh, Professor John Turley. Recently appeared on the Sean Hannity show and took part of the Trumps took apart the Trump indictment piece by piece, leaving it in tatters on the floor. He said it was completely understandable why the American people think we have a two-tiered justice system and called the Trump indictment an attack on free speech. Uh, here's some of his comments. This is a free speech killing indictment. There's no way around it. I write a great deal in academia and in the free speech area, and I rarely see a more chilling filing by the Department of Justice, the question that people have to ask themselves is, where, what is the price and is it too high? People are obviously enraged, but this is what the price is too high to, to bag Donald Trump. This indictment is, uh, is that prohibitive cost, meaning what they are attempting to do is to criminalize what they consider to be disinformation. And I have to tell you, this indictment is really sad moment for me. I hope that Smith is going to uh, indict on on January the 6th that he would find unassailable evidence and unquestioned legal authority for his case. He has neither in this indictment, said Turley. This is a, a speaking indictment, but it doesn't say very much. It basically says that we think Trump is lying and that he actually didn't believe this. I can't tell you how facetiously ridiculous this claim is. It starts up by saying, of course, you can say you can say false things in the campaign, but then says that Trump knew they were false. Is that the test going forward in the terms of criminalizing speech? Uh, Smith is just not only uh, going to have to bulldoze through the First Amendment, he's going to have to bulldoze through a line of cases from the Supreme Court. I think that what happened with Representative Goldman is that he looks ridiculous, too. He looked ridiculous in denying uh, the obvious. You know, this case <clears throat> may prove uh, to be Trump's opportunity and platform to make his case that he won the 2020 election. Well, that would be a turnabout is fair play, certainly, and uh, if that happens, I would encourage Trump to at least consider that because uh, if, these, if they're saying that he knew what he's saying was false, what he could say, he could prove is that, well, I'm going to prove to you that what I said was true. Hmm. Interesting. Also, yesterday uh, in 2024, GOP presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy announced his intentions to file a Freedom of Information Act, or FOIA, request against the Biden Department of Justice. He made this announcement outside that courthouse where former President Donald Trump was arraigned. Ramaswamy's Twitter statement on the Thursday was impassioned and clear. 
The reason the people don't trust the government is that the government doesn't trust the people. Think about that for a moment. Boy, he's so right on about that. I'm making a demand to our government to tell us the truth about what really is driving this flurry of prosecutions with trial dates set during the height of the upcoming election. I might mind you that uh, Ramaswamy is running against Trump, so uh, I'm sure he would like to see his own stock rise, maybe at the expense of, uh, at, uh, of Trump, but certainly not at the expense of justice. And that's the position he's taken. I admire him for this position. He further explained that why he sued the DOJ earlier this week and pledged to release the state action files about what the government tells tech companies to suppress, emphasizing the right of the people to handle the truth. This request seeks to uncover what White House officials, including Joe Biden, communicated to Attorney General Merrick Garland and DOJ official Jack Smith regarding the indictments in the high-profile case of former President Trump and one of Biden's 2024 presidential election rivals. In a video accompanied the tweet, Ramaswamy elaborated on his stance and explained why he believes transparency is essential for American democracy. Earlier this week, I sued the U.S. Department of Justice, and I further filed an additional FOIA request to understand what President Biden told Jack Smith, what Merrick Garland told Jack Smith, because we want the truth today, said Ramaswamy. I'm in front of the courthouse in D.C., where the 45th president of the United States, my competitor in this race, will be arraigned later today, he said. He expressed deep concern over the noble lie that the government is trying to... uh, uh, telling to the people and question the timing of these supp- supposedly independent indictments during election period. Why is it that we see the rise of these three different indictments, three supposedly independent prosecutions at the same time in the midst of a presidential election? It's because the government doesn't trust the people to select their leaders, said Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy's uh, fervor extends beyond Trump's case, demanding the release of the Transgender School Shooters Manifesto, as well as truths about COVID-19 origin and other information he believes the government may be withholding. Uh, Tell us the truth about what you actually told Jack Smith. Tell us the truth about the COVID origin. Tell us the truth about where the uh, virus originated. The FOIA request seems to be part of a broader movement Ramaswamy is advocating for, one that emphasizes trust, transparency, and a two-way relationship between the government and the people. Turns out the trust is a two-way relationship. The reason that the people don't trust the government is that our government is no longer trust, trusting the people. So is this a politicized persecution and prosecution? I certainly believe it is, said Ramaswamy. Good for him. I support him and uh, what he's doing here. It's a bright man and I think he's got a bright political future if he wants it. Keep in mind that he's a high-tech mogul as well. And uh, again, trying to serve the American people, I think in a a similar way to President uh, Donald Trump. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website 
website at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulubees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I remind you that uh, Wednesday through Saturday 4 to 8 p.m. Lulubee's Diner, we're serving great breakfasts and lunches as well, is now serving dinner Great dinner menu, great value, in, informal. It's just a great place to I mean, just slip out and have an early dinner, 4 to 8 p.m. Uh, Wednesday through Saturday. I encourage you to just check it out. Uh, again, great salmon, snapper, grouper, you name it, just uh, great food at Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We have with us William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. A pleasure, William. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. We're a legal nonprofit, and we rep, uh, we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. Terrific organization. I encourage you to visit pacificlegal.org. Pacificlegal.org. William, uh, Trump was indicted yesterday. I was looking forward to getting your thoughts and opinions about uh, the proceedings of what happened yesterday. What this man, uh, um, and for reasons that we spoke about before, um, so I, I just noted at the outset that um, the, despite the, it's an independent special counsel, Jack Smith, who performed the investigation and ultimately brought the indictment. Um, but the Justice Department does have review authority over what Smith does. Mm-hmm. Um, this is pursuant to, to regulations that were uh, issued in 2018. Um, and, and in this instance, um, it is my opinion that, that it would have been prudent um, to exercise such authority and, and, and stop this prosecution. Um, and, and here, I'm, I'm not condoning what Trump did um, in the lead up to January 1st. And I certainly believe that no man is above the law. Um, but there are countervailing principles, um, namely the societal stability and constitutional order. And by that, I mean, if you're going to charge a former president, and indeed, if you're going to charge a former president who is now uh, almost the prohibitive favorite in the Republican primary for the 2024 election, you better have a good reason, and you better have a rock-solid case, and this is in my opinion. Um, But that's not what we have here. Um, It's a rather, you know, it's an unprecedented fact pattern, to be sure, but it's also a rather tenuous legal theory. I mean, at the end of the day, they're charging, ultimately, what it amounts to, a politician. They're charging a politician with lying. Um, and that's a very high threshold. Well, of so course, we, we is, know that politicians we, lie all the time. So that's well, Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it, yeah. it, there's, fair, there's pretty clear Supreme Court precedent um, on this case, both yeah. in 2012, this Alvarez case, and in 2016, this uh, former Virginia governor, Bob McDonald case, uh, that very much cast doubt on, uh, or, or I'll say it this way, ca- uh, sets a very high bar uh, for prosecuting a 
a politician for lying. Again, for the very reason that you mentioned. I mean, we, we all, that's part and parcel of the game of politics. Yeah. And by no means am I saying what occurred on 1 6 is a game, but I am saying that politicians lie and that prosecuting a politician for lying, um, mm, that, you know, that's just not the strongest. Uh, that's not the strongest legal case. So given the constitutional ramifications, given that the incumbent president, in essence, uh, has allowed the prosecution of his political rival, and as an aside, you know, to the extent that Trump has to be in the courtroom um, for these proceedings, and that takes him directly off the campaign trail, the fact that that works to the interest of the incumbent presidency um, again, cast a, a constitutional pall, if you will, um, over this whole proceeding. So it is, um, and we've spoken about this before, it's just a, a, not a terribly strong case and the divisive fallout, I fear, and the constitutional fallout, I fear. I mean, an incumbent president, that administration is prosecuting his political rival. Yeah. Um, that is problematic, as the kids say. Oh, certainly. Well, of course, this may work in exactly the same way. It could boomerang because it's going to draw all the attention to Trump. Everybody will be watching uh, whatever proceedings and news will be going on. It'll suck all the other air out of the room. So uh, it could work to, to Trump's advantage. Not to ju- That doesn't justify this at all. The other thing I was thinking is that, is this possible? Now, he's uh, this the election uh, fraud and overturning the election. That's been brought to court 40 times, as I heard. And uh, apparently, uh, in no case was there standing to even look at the facts around the case. Does this create a platform for Trump to make his case that he won the election? I uh, do not believe so. So I think that that he would not be given um, space uh, to make such arguments. Well, if they say say, say he's lying about winning the election— doesn't that beg the question about whether he won the election? Well, I think the more operative question is his state of mind. So uh-huh. it, whether or not he thinks he won an election is distinct from, I guess, the, the underlying facts of whether or not he did indeed win the election. So I don't imagine he'd get the opportunity to relitigate facts pertaining to the 2020 election. Uh-huh. Um, but to be sure, the, the central focus of this trial will be his state of mind. Yeah. And again, that is a... Uh, very, very difficult thing to prove. And the fact that it's so difficult to prove, and, and given the constitutional ramifications, to me, just uh, this reeks. Yeah. Well, before I let you go, uh, can you give us some comments on Devin Archer's testimony to the uh, uh, the House OGR committee? Well, it's been widely reported, but, you know, we now know that, um, it, that Biden was not telling the truth when he had maintained for many, many years that he'd, he'd never spoken to his son about his business dealings, um, and that indeed Biden being on speakerphone uh, uh, and otherwise making appearances or, or you know, passing by appearances at uh, dinners with uh, high-profile, high-power officials in government and business um, that Hunter Biden and his team were courting, um, that that was part of this whole brand. So, it, it, it uh, well, on the, the immediate uh, call, uh, fallout is that it's caused the White House to change its tune, such yeah. that Biden, you know, going for having long maintained that he never spoke to his son about business, now maintains that he never, quote, unquote, participated in business. But the the broader view is, um, wow, this is influence peddling. I mean, this is uh, unfortunately all too frequent in D.C., but this notion that Hunter was, in essence, selling his proximity to power, um, this certainly militates in favor um, uh, of that belief or of that understanding. So it uh, unseemly, um, I would say, uh, also puts in a, an even starker light the extent to which we've got these credible allegations from these IRS whistleblowers that the Justice Department um, has put the brakes yeah. on investigations and, and uh, uh, digging into this matter. So it creates quite a contrast between um, well, how the, pre- the president is treating investigations of himself and how he's treating uh, investigations and prosecutions of his political rivals. Absolutely. I mean, my understanding is that Devin Archer got full immunity uh, as a result for his testimony. So uh, we can only assume that he's telling the truth because if he, if he varies from the truth or tells a lie, he loses that immunity for prosecution. So uh, he, he's, 
Briefly, I just note that his, the truth of his statements seem to have been confirmed by the ranking Democrat on the Oversight Committee uh, yeah. who participated in these, these uh, uh, private testimonies. Um, and that is to say, uh, Representative Goldman, I believe is his name, just right. went out and said that even if these occurred, the only thing – or no, he, he admitted that they did occur, and he said – However, they're only niceties. Um, that was his exact phrasing. So yeah. I think he was uh, uh, appointed, uh, he was the point man for the Biden administration in terms of mopping this up. Yeah. And in so doing, it effectively conceded that these, uh, that Archer's testimony with respect to these speakerphone calls is indeed true. Well, he was certainly not a very impressive spokesperson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> William Yateman, again, a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Visit pacificlegal.org. William, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. You're a valued professional RN. There's a path that takes you to the next level. Hodges University offers an RN to BSN program that, like you, is way above average. RNs with a BSN have a faster track to pursuing leadership positions and can see faster hourly rate increases than those with an ASN. You can earn your BSN with Hodges in just one year. Classes are online and start in August. Scholarships are available. Become the next level nursing professional. Do more. Earn more. Be more. Visit Hodges.edu today. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, a limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be back, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. That means we want you to be able to live your life however you want, as long as you respect the equal rights of others. And as I keep saying, you would think that would not be a controversial uh, proposition, but in Washington, D.C., it is extremely controversial because this is a city filled with people who want to uh, make all your decisions for you. Absolutely. And well, a good example is this uh, latest indictment of President Donald Trump. But that's a different issue. Uh, you wrote a piece in the Cato Institute uh, website, Cato.org, uh, by the way. And if you haven't checked out the website, it is terrific. The ugliest agency in Washington. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, first, you got to understand that uh, Washington, D.C. has some beautiful architecture and some absolutely horrific architecture. One of those uh, pieces is the building that houses the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. This is the agency that oversees Medicare and Medicaid, the Food and Drug Administration, and the CDC. You may not have seen this building while you were in Washington, D.C., or if you did, you probably looked away quickly. Uh, but a lot of people have uh, been to the FBI uh, headquarters and done tours there. That's in the same sort of style that we call brutalist architecture. We call it brutalist because it's just brutal on the eyes. To look so, at. so, Michael, if I could just interject here. I do recall that Frank Lloyd Wright, the great architect, uh, made a comment about Washington, D.C. that he thought it was an architectural disaster. 
Well, you know, I I, I do like the the Capitol building. I think that has merit. I think I am Pei did a beautiful job with the East Wing of the National Gallery of Art. Yeah. Maybe I don't know if Frank Lloyd Wright ever saw that, right? But it is it is gorgeous. Uh, these buildings are not, and so what one uh, media outlet, the Washington Post, did was they were having a poll to decide what was the ugliest building in Washington D.C. And when it looked like the Department of Health and Human Services headquarters was winning, uh, the folks at uh, or losing, as the case may be, right. the folks at uh, the HHS press shop decided they would sort of push back on social media and uh, host what we call a live tweet where they invite people to come and read re- what they're tweeting in real time, uh, where, where the author of those tweets would be the HHS building itself. Mm-hmm. Now, so far, this is just sort of a cutesy social media gimmick. Um, it does distract attention from what HHS actually does, uh, which is uh, uh, there are a lot of harms that the uh, agencies I mentioned, Medicare, Medicaid, the FDA, and the CDC have inflicted on people. But what really stuck in my craw was when, during that live tweet earlier this week, the HHS building claimed that the that department ensures a record number of people with quality affordable health coverage and provided the tools <laughs> to fight covid uh, that was just a bridge too far for me and so i had to respond to them in con- uh, on social media uh, and on the cato blog pointing out all the ways that those programs medicare and medicaid uh, uh and others obamacare uh uh, and the CDC and the FDA have not have not provided people quality health coverage or the tools to fight COVID, but have done exactly the opposite. I absolutely, and I, I, you know, I hope we don't see the pandemic and how it was handled dropping out of sight, because I think that was a total a failure on the part of a public health agency for giving us good advice on how to protect ourselves during that period of time. I think that the advice, and I think Fauci has a lot to do that, with that, by the way, but uh, let's, let's not leave the CDC out of this. That's right. And as many mistakes as Anthony Fauci might have made. Uh, and as much uh, as he might have eroded public trust in government public health officials, I don't think he had as harmful an impact on uh, pandemic preparedness and our response to COVID-19 as the FDA did and as the CDC did. Hmm. Because remember, he was not part of either of those agencies. And it was the FDA that blocked safe and effective COVID-19 diagnostic tests for months at the beginning of the pandemic when those tests mattered most. We were not able to contain this disease probably because the FDA said, we don't care if the World Health Organization has approved these tests. We don't care if other countries have approved these tests. We don't care if South Korea is deploying these tests effectively and uh, doing uh, a much better job of containing the spread of this disease than we are. Uh, we are we're going to increase the amount of regulation we're putting in place and block all of these tests. And then when the FDA did approve one test, the CDC, you remember what happened, Bob. Yeah, it is. Uh, the, the CDC contaminated its own test with the COVID-19, with a virus that causes COVID-19, uh, rendering the tests useless and rendering almost all public health activities at that time useless. Well, and of course, Fauci had a very strong voice. He was uh, very credible at the time. I think he's uh, been uh, disproven many times since. But uh, nevertheless, he uh, uh, decided that hydroxychloroquine would not be a good uh, solution against uh, this disease. And it's been proven by so many others that uh, that uh, cocktail, along with other things, did very well in terms of preventing uh, COVID. So I, I don't know about you. I mean, I did not take a COVID shot. And I'm just, after getting all the news that we're high, uh, getting about people that are dying prematurely and so forth, I'm so grateful that I didn't. So uh, the reason, but the main reason that I wanted to respond to that uh, that claim by the, you know, the HHS building <clears throat> was that most people don't realize, a lot of people are aware of the things that we've been discussing about COVID, but most people don't realize the ways that the Medicare program, the Medicaid program, and Obamacare yeah. actually reduce 
or don't provide quality health coverage. In many cases, reduce the quality of coverage. I discussed in that blog post that the most reliable evidence we have about what Medicaid does for its enrollees comes from a randomized controlled trial called the Oregon Health Insurance Experiment. And that that experiment uh, uh, studied people who are uh, able-bodied adults, basically the Obamacare Medicaid expansion population, and found that for that group, the Oregon Health Insurance Experiment, and here I'll quote them, quote, did not find evidence that Medicaid coverage improved physical health. Yeah. Which is just an astounding finding. You'd think, well, here we are spending billions, hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars on this program. It should be improving health. And here you have the most reliable study on that question, finding it did nothing to improve their physical health. Just reminds me of the uh, <laughs> the green movement. What we're doing with these uh, electrical vehicles and the, all the things we're trying to do to destroy the, uh, energy here in the United States. Again, billions spent, no return. It's just unbelievable, quite frankly. But I'm taking you off topic, and I just really appreciate your comments here on uh, on the website. Cato.org is the website. Again, the name of the column is the ugliest agency in Washington. Always appreciate your commentary here on the show, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be back, Bob. Thanks. Thank you as well. All right, coming up, <clears throat> we're going to be visiting with Bill Barnett, the former mayor of Naples. We'll do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Gain the skills you want so you'll be in demand by employers. That's what Hodges University's Workforce Readiness is all about. Choose your specialty from EV technician, automation, robotics, real estate, insurance, and electronics to programming boot camps, supply chain management, and more. These classes are online, affordable, and focused on what you need to know. Learn more today by visiting Hodges.edu and clicking on Workforce Readiness. Because with Hodges University, you'll stay near and go far. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences and just completing now a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be beautiful. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Bill Barnett, the former mayor of Naples. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, it's uh, always my pleasure. I used to be on a Thursday, but now I don't know which day. <laughs> well, you just Thursday. accommodated and gave Friday. me the opportunity to play golf yesterday, so thank you for that. <clears throat> yeah, no problem. I'm always glad to do that. So um, some interesting, um, interesting. I, I, I want to say rumors in the city, um, but from, from, from good sources. Uh, so, But again, it's only it's my opinion and from what I've heard, uh, so can't take it to the bank with you um but um so it's pretty clear that to me anyway that um that gary price uh will run for mayor that's great Uh, news he he won't from what i understand he won't announce probably till september or end of september um 
And here's the interesting news. Um, I, I see that, uh, from what I understand, Alfie Oaks um, and someone else in, in, in Naples, um, they've been interviewing um, some candidates, and they actually interviewed, uh, they interviewed Gary. Um, and um, uh, they're asking kind of questions, why did you vote like this, or why didn't you vote for Sanctuary City? And, uh, um, and some, you know, Gary said, from what I understand, some very, very strange questions came from them. And then they're also pushing Ted Blankenship hmm. uh, to be the next mayor. Um, now, this really surprises me. I think it's going back to the fact, I mean, Ted hasn't even finished one term on as a, as a council person. Right. And um, you got to wonder, you know, what the motive is. And so I think uh, Heitman has said, yes, yeah, she's definitely going to run again. You got McCabe out there. Who knows what he's going to do? Um, Paul Perry hasn't made up his mind because, you know, he's been, he had a little bit of an illness and he's feeling pretty good, but he hasn't made up his mind what he wants to do. Uh, Hutchison has told quite a few people he wants to run for the state government. Um, and so I'm thinking, Bob, we are going to have a pretty good shootout. And last but not least, I will tell you this, I'm considering and I'm just going to sit back and watch running for a council seat. Um, You're considering well, running for council. Uh huh. Wow, I'm, that's I'm great. I'm, I'm not. You know, I, um, I, I, I don't want this age crap thrown at me because <laughs> I mean, I do 19 miles a week, you know, and walking, and I'm very athletic, and I'm not stumbling over my words or falling down steps, and I don't, you know, it's like you know they're gonna say, oh my gosh, he's so old, but age is just a number. So that's right. Well, yeah, I, 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 I just have to say, I would be thrilled with your experience and understanding of what's going on in the city. I would be thrilled, uh, even though I can't vote in the Naples election, I'd be right. thrilled to, to see you as a city council member. Also, what a, Gary Price is, uh, he, he is an extraordinary leader. I just think he would be a great mayor. So I hope that, not he only will. that he runs, but <clears throat> I hope that... Uh, uh, and, and Alfie Oaks, it's kind of strange. He's, he has uh, really developed in somewhat of a kingmaker yeah. here in Collier County. And uh, what he says makes a big, big difference. I think he's pretty unhappy with one of his choices for school board. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> but, uh, well, you know what? I, I, I think I have very strong feelings about this. I normally don't. You know, I give my opinion and we, we go back and forth. But, you mm -hmm. know, I've known Alfie since he was little. I know his family, his, his dad, I mean, but the thing is, is, you know, about being a kingmaker, um, um, it's one thing if you, where you want to be a kingmaker, I think, uh, the, um, the county, I understand, he's got, you know, lots of avenues, the city, not so much. I, I don't want to see someone come in and ruin our city. Not, I'm not saying Alfie would ruin our city. I'm simply saying that they're bringing in these packs. They have, uh, uh, that think that they can, that they can take over the citizens, uh, and um, uh, I, you know we're just going to have to wait this and watch and see what happens come October, you know, and November because our election, as you well know, is in uh, February, March, uh, March I think next year because of the presidential primary. But uh, uh, you know I'll keep you in the loop on that, but. Um, we're going to just watch real carefully and see how the cards shuffle because it sounds to me like um, sounds to me like it's going to be um, uh, very interesting. And depending on um, the candidates, the other thing I also heard was, which was a very good thing, was that. Uh, and again, these are just things that I hear. Okay, yeah. I don't have any bit of truth whatsoever because they're not gospel, but uh, they come from good sources. Is that? Uh, uh, former coach of Naples High School, Bill Kramer, has uh, has uh, acquiesced and said that he might like to run for city council, and he would be a terrific, terrific city councilman. I mean, here's a guy that's as honest as the day is long. Uh, he's been in Naples many years. There isn't a there isn't a kid or parent that has gone through Naples uh, High School in the last ten or fifteen years or however, however long he was there that doesn't know his name and the good things he's done in this community. So. 
that would be a nice thing because we're going to need some council people, some new blood. Yeah, you know so, what? I, I have to say, I have had him on my show several times when he was coaching football. <clears throat> I was so impressed with him. Not only was he a, a oh, he won. I mean, he he won state championships. I think he was just a terrific right. coach. But in addition to that, he and his coaches <clears throat> would have athletes to his home to have dinner with his family. Yep. Uh, they had one athlete per week. And uh, he, he told me that uh, in many cases, that's the first time that those kids have sat down at a dinner table and, and, and broke bread with a family. Right. Unbelievable. And, and, and that's amazing, uh, Bob, and it's true. Um, as I say, he's a, he's, he would be a wonderful candidate. So if that's true, what he says, that, that would be great uh, yeah. to go along with Gary. And, uh, um, and you? Perhaps- well, and me, but I might, like I say, I give a lot of thinking to this, but I seem to have a lot of support out there, and I just don't want to go through a wild goose chase. But uh, I love the job, and as I say, I, I don't want to be mayor, um, but I would definitely like a council spot. So we'll see what happens uh, as, the, as the months go by here, and I'll keep you informed on what goes on, but it's hard for me to keep up with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I, just one other thought about Alfie Oaks. I mean, uh, one of the reasons why he has so much influence, of course, is that people love shopping at Seed to Table. And yeah. he, and he's got his voice out there on every – he's got signs everywhere about political things that are going on. So, I mean, <laughs> even, even his truck that he drives that says FJB <laughs> – <laughs> on, the, yeah. on the side of yeah. the panel. So, I mean, he is politically oriented. He is active politically. And uh, he's, an, <clears throat> he's an important voice in, in uh, Cuyahoga County. Oh, he, de- he definitely is. There's no two ways, there's no two ways about it. Uh, I, you know, people know the name and uh, they say, uh, I know who he supports. And that's fine. I have no issue. I, he and I have been friends a long time. I've known him a long time. Yeah. But, uh I just kind of get a little bit on the, I guess, on the defensive side when you start talking about the city of Naples because we've got a really good thing going. And, and I think right now, council is certainly disarrayed. The mayor is, uh, is, has shown that she just is not capable of doing the job, period. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, so you there's going to well. be some, some interesting things going on, and we'll just stay informed. Absolutely. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples, maybe the greatest mayor ever lived in the history of the United <laughs> States. Bill, I just <laughs> genuinely appreciate your commentary in the show. <laughs> Thank Have you. Have a great weekend, Bob. Take care. You as well. Thank you so much, Bill. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. 
ask yourself why people are the way they are. If you're fascinated by human behavior and you want to make a career of it, you know where you need to start? Hodges University with a bachelor's degree in applied psychology. Your professors are practicing professionals that bring your classes to life with live chat discussions and various projects. You know, having a deeper understanding of what motivates people can lead to careers in counseling, sales, human resources. Your passion can be your career. So get started today. What are you waiting for? Visit Hodges.edu or stop by their campus in Fort Myers. They're at the corner of Colonial and Winkler. Because with Hodges University, you're going to stay near and go far. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They prepare elected officials to have winning strategies going into the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of many books. His latest is a terrific read, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Professor Larry Bell. He also writes his column for Newsmax.com. It is terrific. Well, he actually writes it a couple of times a week, and it's called On Point at Newsmax.com. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, it's always a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Professor. And Larry, I just wanted to, well, there's so much going on right now. The velocity of the news is so incredible, and you can't make some of this stuff up. I'd just like to ask you a general question about uh, uh, Devin Archer, uh, the indictment, whatever whatever comes to mind. You know, what really comes to mind right now is how, not only how corrupt the Biden administration is, <clears throat> Is and you know the Justice Department and the Biden family corruption in general, which which we've which we've known for some time because it's been reported very specifically in the denials of that, that Joe didn't know about Hunter's business and so on is all being exposed, of course. But it's all being eclipsed as as intended by the by the opposition in, in the sense of. Oh, we've we've indicted Trump, and he's pled this and that and so on, and they they keep that in the news, you know, and it's it's something that's just totally um, it's totally part of their strategy. Keep the eyes on on Trump and his legal problems, which are all contrived problems yeah. by them, and 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 some of the networks don't even mention, you know, the you mentioned the Devin Archer uh, uh, hearing and. And of course, the, previously the you know Devin Archer has has a lot of background information. He's he was Hunter's lead partner and best friend on particularly on the Ukraine stuff with Burisma and so on. He was on the board of directors with Burisma. He was getting a million bucks a year salary, just like Hunter was for for political influence and. And, and uh, you know, he attested that, you no, know, Joe was on the phone more than 20 times with uh, Hunter's uh, partners and, 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 uh, and the whole the whole thing in Ukraine. And then we got Tony Bobulski, who came out previously yeah. uh, about the, the China deals and CEFC and, and you know, the, uh, the, the money that Biden... And Joe specifically got from from this uh, energy company. So it's kind of ironically uh, sinister to me that it seems like a lot of these foreign deals, the big ones, are with corrupt energy companies and oil and gas companies that want to get leases and so on in the U.S. Or you got a, an administration that's trying to kill U.S. oil. You know, yeah. it's just you can't. You know, the old cliche about not making being able to make stuff up. But it's, all these distractions, and they seem to be working. Wall Street Journal this morning has this big thing again about Trump's latest indictment, and and the indictment is is, is a total total joke. Uh, you, you know, basically, if based on this another crazy uh, hail mary theory that you know that uh, Biden tried to obstruct the election, you know, results by 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 claiming it was election fraud and and. If, if withholding criminal information about your opponent, you know the uh, 
the, you know, the hunter's laptop from hell and all those yeah. demons hiding in it that the the DOJ kept under its skirt for for nearly a year through the election, and you got 51 intel officials that, that claimed there was essentially Russian disinformation. If that isn't election interference, I don't know what is. And so, you know, the, you know, the, the hypocrisies are just absolutely staggering. And, and I guess the good news in this is, you know, and I've, I've made the termite analogy uh, a long time ago, and it's one that always is paramount with me is that, you know, you, the termites have been busy for a long time, mm-hmm. and the termites are Marxist. And they, you don't really notice them until maybe they're, one day you see some little bubbles on your windowsill and so on, and you, you, you poke them and your finger goes through, and you realize that those little rascals have been busy for years, and they're, and then your porch falls down. And, 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 and I think that, you know, we've seen the, the erosion, destruction, undermining of our justice system and our institutions in this kind of creeping termite destruction. And, and the good news in this, I think they've, I think the termites overreached. Mm-hmm. I think the public's finally waking up and saying, look, uh, we have some, we have some, you know, some, some serious structural problems here. And uh, and the, and the biggest the big exterminator that they're really afraid of is is a red haired guy named Donald Trump. Right. And they and they will stop at nothing to prevent him from coming back and with his uh, insecticide. Oh, you're so right, Professor. And uh, the thing that amazes me though is that after every indictment, uh, President Trump's popularity increases. The, I mean, the loyalty of his followers just gets higher and higher. So I think to your point, I think it, we're, we're just seeing a demonstration that the American people just are not buying it. And uh, now it's become almost comical. People may, are making fun of uh, what's going on. And it, it's not funny because it is tragic. I mean, what's this, this cannot happen. In, as Trump said yesterday, it's a sad day. This cannot happen in the United States of America. But irrespective, I think the American people are seeing through it. I believe they are. And, and if we look back, you know, look back at how, how egregious this has been. We had Trump was, Trump was uh, impeached for asking about Biden's Corruption in Ukraine, which, which he freely admitted to on this, and this, uh, you know, televised interview, right? Where, where he said he'd withhold the money unless they fired the prosecutor that was, that was going after the company, the corrupt company that was employing his son, and and we had we had the impeachment over Russia collusion, which is, Durham report reported was it was absolutely a a, a, a Hillary Clinton cover for her. For laptops, and 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 we know that the Obama administration in the White House, and including Joe Biden, had at least one meeting where they 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 truly knew this was a scam, and yet they they still continued with this crossfire hurricane investigation, FBI, and they and the 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 fake documents to get the spy warrants and and Carter Page and so on, on and on and on, and they. Canard about the you know the you know the Capitol riots where we don't we still don't know how many how many FBI and and others were involved in soaking that up thing up right and of course the uh, who is, who, the who is, who is uh, you know who who are, who are some of these people that were in the film that never got never got arrested and so on and it's, it's just I think people are, are as you say are are seeing you know. Why the armed raid on on Mar-a-Lago for documents where were the ones in in Biden's garage kind of get a yawn? You know, it's I think the public's beginning to see it, and thank God. Thank God, indeed. Again, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. I hope you check out Newsmax.com and check out Professor Bell's column, On Point. Also, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Larry Bell. Professor, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Bob, thanks, back. Uh, my pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, on Monday, we've got great guests. 
Also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you tell your friends. That's one of the ways we get the words out and support our advertisers. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>